All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Grady, can you hear us? What's going on? What is what is happening? All right, no one can hear me. Are we even live? What is happening right now? This is the biggest gong show to this. This is a crazy, crazy start to the show. Uh, my name is David Jolly. That is Armin Dial. This is Canucks Conversation. Our technical producer, or at least I thought he was, is Grady Sass, uh, who's somewhere. I I don't know where he is, but uh, he's Grady. saying we're live. He texted us that. Yeah, I guess. Okay, whatever. Um, sorry, I'm so thrown off by that intro. Uh, this episode of Canucks Conversation is brought to you. Oh, I can't wait to talk about this. Wendy's DFO Survivor Fantasy. Shots on goal, goals against average, and points per game can make or break your week. But don't overlook BPMM. Wendy's Bacon Portabella Mushroom Melt. Sure, it may not help you win weekly prizes with Wendy's and daily face-off Survivor Pool Fantasy, But unlike my predictions, it never disappoints. This ad reads out of date because I was bang on with my prediction. So try your luck, but don't push it because the bacon portabella mushroom melt is only back for a limited time. If you miss it, you won't get a second chance. Sign up for Daily Faceoff today. Daily Faceoff Survivor Pool Fantasy today. Sponsored by Wendy's and the Wendy's app. Now, I made the pick on Monday for Quinn Hughes to get a point. He got that point. And I'm damn happy that he did. Now, who are you going to pick today? Who am I going to pick today? Uh, I went with, I think I went Dallas to beat the LA Kings. Okay. It's a good pick, right? Yeah, LA's been struggling. Another hot one that people were picking was, uh, 
can't remember what people were picking. There was like McDavid to get a power play point or two power play points or something like that. Two power play points would have been quite the ask. Yeah. So, okay. So I'm looking at it right now. The most popular pick as of this recording on Wendy's Daily Faceoff Survivor.com 36% of people saying over one and a half power play, or, or excuse me, over one and a half points for McDavid. So two points okay. for McDavid in tonight's game against the Leafs at four o'clock. Both of those are 50 50. I, I think I went with Dallas, Dallas wins versus LA. LA has just been struggling so, so much. They right? snapped their losing streak, so we'll see. They did. Do you think they continue it against Dallas at home? Dallas is at home. I don't know. I like I Dallas. Know. I think they're a better team, so. Bob Marley in the chat. Wow, Faber lost a lot of weight and got tan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, so there's snow coming today, folks, and I'm sure people already know about this. So we're back in our studio at the Sheraton Wall Center, but it looks like we're going to be remote tomorrow because my dear co-host here has rear-wheel drive and summer tires, so it does not look like we're going to be back in studio tomorrow. But let's not waste any more time, Harmon. Let's get into it because the Canucks have a day off today. The Canucks haven't had a day off in a very long time, and this day off marks the start of a nice little home stretch here and a nice little break for the players from being out on the road. And if you ask Global News, uh, the Canucks plane had a crash landing last night. I'm not sure if you saw their headline. People no. were making fun of Global News for it because um, they put out the headline that, and again, I don't want to misspeak, but they put out some sort of headline that made it sound like the Canucks plane went off the runway track, which it did. But in the story, they specified that the Canucks had already departed the plane. So the plane made a safe landing. Then it was moving around the terminal or whatever you call it. And then it went into the mud, but people were just poking fun at global news uh, for that headline because it was, it was a little bit misleading. Just, just a little bit, uh, just a little bit misleading. Um, But yeah, lots of, lots of good stuff for the Canucks right now because they're back at home. Uh, They're not going to play until Thursday. So we've got a lot of time to break everything down. And it's not just the Vancouver Canucks that are at home. It is also the Abbotsford Canucks who open up their four game homestand tonight. They have a game. Do those Abbotsford Canucks. I wonder how many people are going to be there with all this snow that we're hearing about coming. I wonder uh, what we'll see because obviously we saw what happened in Calgary when it was snowing and it was very, very cold. But uh, yeah, good, good stretch of games here for both teams, the Abbotsford Canucks and the Vancouver Canucks to be at home for a while. Yeah, and the and the quality of competition isn't very high in, in this homestand, which means this is a chance for the Canucks to really run away with the division lead, to almost plant their flag and say, this is ours. Nobody's taking this back, which they're already in such a favorable position. Uh, I'm actually pretty surprised at how quickly they've become strong favorites in this division lead with Vegas running into injuries with uh, LA really struggling coupled with the Canucks, you know, winning stretch during last road trip. It's, it's been a huge two or three weeks in that respect. And you've got, Arizona, Toronto, Chicago, St. Louis, Columbus. None of those teams scare me. None of them. Only one of them in Toronto is in a playoff spot. And the Leafs are shaky in terms of their five-on-five play. I don't think they're as good a team as they were last year. They haven't had a lot of regulation wins at all this season as well. They'd they'd be in a much more precarious position if it was a 3-2-1 point system. So this is a glorious opportunity for the Canucks to get a couple days off to rest rest now and then hopefully really run away with this division league. 
Yeah, they just had seven games in 12 nights, and now they're going to get a nice little break until they go back on the road on February 6th. Like, these guys aren't going to have to leave home. Granted, the five All-Stars that they have are obviously going to have to leave to go to Toronto, but these guys are going to be at home or not on the road for NHL games, I should say, until February 6th. Like, that's a nice little break for these guys to have, uh, especially given their travel woes and how this road trip kind of came to a close and how it was a little bit long, I think, for the players. I think they were probably pretty gassed by the end of it, as we saw and broke down on yesterday's episode. But some home cooking is going to be very good for this team. And I think the key, I was just looking at it, the key for them is going to be to not be sluggish coming out of the break. And... Obviously, they are going to the All-Star game. Five of them are. But if you recall, they looked pretty bad coming out of the Christmas break when they had to play the Philadelphia Flyers on December 28th. They looked like just like they didn't have their legs under them. And they had a bit more of a layoff than some other teams had because the last game they played was their game against San Jose on the 23rd. So they probably weren't even trying that hard in that game. But then you come back and play the Flyers on the 28th. They struggled a bit. So I think that's going to be what I'm watching for is after this all-star break, okay, how do they look when they go back and play the Carolina Hurricanes in Carolina on the 6th? Yeah, and big picture, I think this schedule really benefits the Canucks as a whole because you get the early, longer Eastern road trips out of the way in the first half for the most part, which means from the perspective of what maximizes the Canucks' chances of being effective in the playoffs now, they're not going to be as fatigued in the second half. The challenge and the reason why Dom Lucision's model, for example, had the Canucks as the 12th most difficult schedule through the remainder of the year, despite them having a home heavy schedule is because the quality of their opponents shoots through the roof. But I think that's actually a good thing going into the playoffs because That means the details of this team's game are going to need to be as sharp as possible. I think it's a great tune-up for the playoffs, given that this team hasn't had a lot of postseason experience. And I'll say this, the players do legitimately get up in a different way when they're playing top teams. You you can sense it in, in the level of focus they have, just how much more amped up they are to play a team like Dallas, for example, or a Colorado or a Vegas compared to... I don't know, a meaningless game against Ottawa. Yeah. I'm glad you didn't say Anaheim. Wouldn't want to (laughs) torture wagon ducks there. But yeah, I think that's going to be a good tune-up for the the playoffs because you're not too fatigued, so you don't really have rest as an excuse, and you're going to be, you know, hopefully in a good energy position going into the playoffs, and you're going to face tough opponents, which will hopefully uh, tune up the details and sharpness of uh, the team's overall quality of play. All right, before we continue, we should tell you that this segment is brought to you by our friends over at Four Winds Brewing, family-owned and operated in Delta, home to the Four Winds Light Light Lager, a crisp, clean, and easy-drinking beer, a beer for everyone, a perfect beer for before, after, or during the game, perfect beer for watching a long playoff run. Ask for Four Winds Light Lager at your local liquor store or have some delivered right to your door through the online shop at Four Winds Brewing. Jeff Patterson is going to join us in about five minutes time, Harmon. But prior to the show, you and I were talking about this, and I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about it. GT Miller's underlying numbers. You had some stuff for us on this. Yeah, it feels like we've talked a lot about Quinn Hughes, Leas Patterson in part because of his contract situation. And everybody knows JT Miller is having a monster year. But I just wanted to highlight how big a difference it is compared to Last season, especially through the first 50 games or so, 
under Bruce Boudreau because it's easy for somebody that doesn't watch the Canucks, for instance, out of market hockey fans to look at Miller's point totals that on the whole look pretty similar last season compared to this year and think, oh, similar overall impact. But especially five on five, there's a massive difference. So just to set set the scene, before the coaching change, so this is around mid mid to late January, basically the same point we are now at this yep. year. JT Miller ranked 190th among all NHL players with just 15 five-on-five points. And the Canucks not only had rough underlying numbers in terms of controlling shots and scoring chances, losing both of those territorial battles, but also minus 11 goal differential with Miller on the ice at five-on-five. Fast forward to where we are today, Miller ranks top 10 among all NHL players with 28 five and five points, which is nearly double. Mm -hmm. And the Canucks are at a plus 14 goal differential with him on the ice. So that's such a massive difference. And I think a lot of people could have looked at Miller's play before the coaching change and said, okay, the point totals look good on paper, but he's a power play merchant a big chunk of his productions also coming shorthanded, which mm. is a bit of a mirage because he also had one of the highest goals against rate yep. on the PK. And a lot of people would argue, Hey, that's empty calorie point production. Whereas this season, man, it's been a night and day difference. And that's one of the biggest differences for why this Canucks team has been excellent so far this year. Now, how much of this comes down to it's a better situation with Rick Tockett. The conversations that we were having, I know on this show and in the market as well, the conversations we were having were, okay, and there's even a report on it too. I can't remember who reported it, but someone reported it that the Canucks management felt they had to bring Rick Tockett in to, for lack of a better word, wrangle JT Miller and like get a hold of JT Miller. How much of this comes down to there is now a coach in place that, and I'm not trying to say JT disrespected Boudreaux or didn't respect him or anything, but a coach that Miller, that seems to have been able to get the most out of Miller. How much of this comes down to the coaching change? It's a massive part. And I did a lot of digging on this before the season started because Miller had that great 30-ish game turnaround under Rick Tockett. And I I spoke to a lot of people close, close to the situation and the the point that kept coming up was under Bruce Boudreau, Miller and Boudreau had a good relationship. And I'll, and I'll say this, having spoken to Boudreau for that piece, Boudreau loves JT Miller. Mm-hmm. But the one problem was that because Boudreau's sort of a laid back, letting things go type of head coach, Miller felt there was a lack of accountability among the players. So when the Canucks got off to this awful start last year he was almost a dictator in in the locker room and was so he it's almost like he forgot about what he needed to focus on with his own game Mm. and he himself was trying to wrangle the team together twice we've used the word wrangle on this show that rarely happens and 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 so that just i think created a, a bad cycle not only for jt but now I imagine it, it, it probably rubs some teammates the wrong way because 
you have this guy that his own game is slipping and yet now he's he's angry he's uh trying to hold guys accountable and then when rick tockett came in a huge part of the reason he was able to turn around was tockett came in and he's that guy that can hold players accountable and jt miller was able to take a step back and the message really to jt was just focus on your own game worry about yourself don't worry about anybody else and that's what jt spoke about at the end of the season when he discussed the impact of rick tockett coming in and i think that mindset shift made all the difference in the world not to mention when you look at practically watching him play why is he playing so much better from a defensive and two-way perspective a big reason comes down to his puck management, mm-hmm. the lack of turnovers. And I spoke with JT specifically about that at the start of the season to ask him, why are you managing the puck so much better compared to last year? And he said that a big reason is they're trailing less in games. Mm-hmm. So he's not forcing plays. And I think JT is also somebody that wears his heart, heart on his sleeve. So he gets frustrated. And when you get frustrated, he's the type to let it affect his decision-making. Whereas now I think he's just in a much better frame of mind because of the team situation, because of the coaching situation. Uh, and you can see it on a night-to-night basis. Anything else on GT before we move on to Jeff here? That, that was pretty much it. I love it. It's good stuff. And I think I, I have a few things, and I want to pick it up in the Anyone Else segment later in the show. But for now, we're going to talk to our pal, our man, Jeff Patterson, who is brought to you by HSBC Rugby Sevens. HSBC World Rugby Sevens is Western Canada's largest sporting event. And this year is the ninth time that the event has visited Vancouver as part of the World Rugby Sevens series. HSBC Vancouver Sevens, where high caliber rugby and the ultimate party weekend collide. SVNS truly is a sporting event like no other and a weekend you won't want to miss. From February 23rd to 25th, grab your friends for your friends and your fence and your best costume and he- maybe it's a fence and head on down to bc place to catch 12 women's and 12 men's sevens teams including two canadian squads take to the pitch for three full days of jam-packed rugby and partying tickets on sale now at van starting from just 40 dollars per day let's bring him in jeff patterson jeff what's the best costume could be halloween could be any other occasion that you dressed up best costume that jeff patterson has ever put together uh easy one for me uh one of my early years out at ubc uh, i had always wanted to go to a halloween party as a ghost right like just the sheet and the two <laughs> eye holes that is it like you can't get any more basic more simple but i had waited for this opportunity and so here was my big chance it was a frat party saturday night uh all fired up i get there i don't even cross the threshold of the door at the fraternity house and some guy that's uh, well into it ahead of me grabs the eye holes and yanks down and rips the sheet. And for the rest of the party, I was a guy in shorts and a t-shirt, uh, even though it was Halloween. Uh, and so then you're stuck, you know, what are you? Well, I was a ghost. It was great for like 15 minutes. And then some <laughs> guy ruined it for me. But uh, yes, uh, loved my ghost costume uh, as short lived as it was. That's amazing. That's amazing. We'll bring it back one day, Jeff. And you know, we won't rip out your eye holes. Uh, Jeff, let's talk about this team that has been ripping out the eye holes of teams all over the East over the past week and a half. Uh, Just kind of closing out the Canucks road trip. Your thoughts on it? Because it seems like it was pretty damn successful for them. 
It was, and it would have been incredible if they had found a way to get the goal they needed to make it six straight coming off the road, but five, one, and one, nobody can be complaining. And I, I just, I like the maturity of the market that uh, people understand why they didn't get the win uh, against a team like Columbus. I mean, they're way better than Columbus, but there's factors at play in the travel troubles and the end of the line, seven games in 12 nights. Nobody's freaking out because they had banked so many victories, so much goodwill already around this hockey club. And look, they're at 62 points with a five-game homestand here. If they go four for five on this homestand, they're going to have 70 points at the All-Star break. I repeat, 70 points at the All-Star break. Like, it's just incredible stuff. So, uh, you know what I loved and, and I've liked all season long is the way they get out in front and, like, you know, they lose in a shootout, but they didn't trail in that hockey game at any point to the Blue Jackets. Since the game, I guess the Rangers game, they trailed for 53 seconds. Rangers opened the scoring on that power play when they zipped it all around and then the Canucks responded. Otherwise, and this is a huge part of why they are where they are, is how often they get out in front and usually they extend their leads. Now, we have seen the three games here at the end of the trip. The Pittsburgh game, they did have a 3-1 lead and then the Penguins sort of took over over the final 40 minutes before PD scored the winner in OT. But the final 40 minutes of that Penguins game were tight. The Buffalo game obviously start to finish in a one nothing game. That was tight in Columbus yesterday. So I don't know if that speaks to fatigue, if that is other teams are finding ways to slow the Canucks down, or it speaks to the fact that outside the lotto line, they're not getting a ton of production from anybody else and the power play and all those types of things. But, you know, in some ways, I think that's a good thing too, that uh, like as much fun as it is to win eight to one and 10 to one and six to three, uh, there is value in having to grind out some of these wins and win when you're not at your best. And they did that in Buffalo. Unfortunately, they weren't able to do that against the Blue Jackets. And that's saying something considering they got that overtime power play that didn't last very long. But I thought, you know, even at the end of the trip, I thought, all right, here was your opportunity. The power play is going to put the hammer down and they're going to get out a nationwide with a victory. Alas, it wasn't to be. Jay Pat, what are your thoughts on Carson Soucy this year? Because he's somebody that I look at as sort of, flying under the radar a little bit as far as players who've really impressed me just especially over the last road trip uh, he's managed the puck and and made a lot of simple plays that when the Canucks originally originally signed him I wasn't sure watching the video of him in Seattle that he'd be able to consistently execute and I think he's had a really successful start to his Canucks tenure What, what are your thoughts yeah, and I think that question was there, wasn't it? At the time they signed him, it was like, all right, manageable contract and not huge term, but is this another case of a guy that was a perfectly slotted third-pair guy elsewhere and the Canucks think that he can take on more? And I think we're still trying to figure that out. I mean, obviously he missed that chunk of games uh, from mid-November until uh, early in the road trip here where he returned, but when you see Ian Cole struggle as he did uh, in Columbus and Nikita Zadorov kind of being up and down you know, it places more importance on just getting stability elsewhere in that defense core. Of course, you've got it with Quinn Hughes and Philip Peronic for the most part. But then it's, you know, are Susie and Myers a legit second pair uh, on a competitive team in the National Hockey League? You know, I think that, that is still open for debate. But Carson Susie, yeah, I mean, he just kind of quietly goes about his business. And that's a good thing. I mean that in a complimentary way. And I still like how disruptive he is. Uh, at the blue line, denying entries, particularly on the penalty kill. And, it, you know, it, it's not um, a fluke that the penalty kill really has been on the upswing here since he got back in the lineup. And, of course, before him, both Bluger and Suter. I mean, it has been a, a, some personnel decisions, but also the personnel that's available to the coaching staff. And Carson Soucy, uh, when healthy, 
you know, is a big part of a Canucks penalty kill that has, you know, okay, gave up uh, one to Columbus yesterday and the power plays were pushed that way. But overall, on the road trip, the penalty kill was really good and it's going to have to continue to be good as they face more quality opponents over the second half of the season. So I, I was prepared to give Carson Soucy a little bit of, uh, of a leash here just to find his footing again when you jump back in after an injury like that when the rest of the league's at full speed. Sometimes that can be difficult, but I thought it was a pretty seamless entry back into the lineup and I do think some of that, and Harm, you were around the practices too. He had a bunch of practices there right after Christmas before they got him back in, and he joined a team that was playing well, and uh, maybe that makes it that much easier just to you know hop on board and, and pull the, the rope in the right direction. But whatever the case, I, I think he has been as advertised, and they're going to continue to need that sort of performance from him uh, over the, the balance of the season. Jeff, you wrote about it over at CanucksArmy.com. Today, Andre Kuzmenko, pointless. Mm-hmm on the road trip and you asked the question of was that pointless road trip kind of as bad as it looked when you look at the stat line what did you find when you did that exercise yeah i got a bit of a headache because uh, (laughs) i'm not sure that i came to any conclusion ultimately but yeah i mean completely blank stat line no goals no assists no points no penalty minutes uh but you know no hits because that's not who andre kuzmenko is um you know, 13 shots over the six games he played. He was a healthy scratch in St. Louis to start the trip. And, you know, that seems like a, a distant memory now. But, of course, that was the big storyline as they went into St. Louis to to embark on the road trip. Uh, that line, you know, they, they've held their own defensively. But over the six games that they played, they were outscored 2 nothing. So relatively low event in terms of goals for and goals against. But still... When you've got a five plus million dollar guy on one wing and a five million guy on the other, uh, you know, it's not enough. It's not enough just to hold your own. Uh, thank goodness the lotto line was all world. And that third line that has worked its way up the depth chart, you know, it pitched in with some timely goals as well out of the road trip. But for Kuzmenko, uh, you know, I was just starting to, to drill down here a little bit further. The fact that, you know, he scored a couple of goals against San Jose just before Christmas. Those are his last points. So he hasn't had a point for the Vancouver Canucks since Christmas. In saying that, Yesterday in Columbus, I actually thought he was fairly effective. He drew the penalty that led to the Pedersen power play goal in the second period, got an overtime shift and actually created the only scoring chance and the only shot the Canucks had in OT and then was the first guy over the boards in the shootout. So where Rick Tockett has parked him late in hockey games and he did in Buffalo and before that in Pittsburgh, although he got some overtime shifts in Pittsburgh as well, uh, you know, you can still see that that trust factor isn't there in the tight hockey games, but you just wish that there was some way that he could break open a game and not just the goal scoring. And I think this is important guys to like the focus is on his goal total because he had the 39 last year and he's not going to get anywhere close to that. But again, I I've tried to point this out before and every game that goes by, it just becomes more astounding 22 games now without an assist Hmm. at the NHL level. Like this is a guy that came from the KHL with some notoriety as a playmaker he played with Elias Pettersson for much of the season. He played on the first unit power play. His last assist was November 15th, the Bo Horvat game at Rogers Arena. So, you know, yes, there was a bit of an uptick in noticing him in Columbus, but that can't be enough. It, like, I'm not sure that the conversation has advanced here anywhere uh, from before the road trip. It's still that Rick Tockett needs more from this guy, that line that he's with Pia Suter and McKayev. McKayev's gone ice cold on the other side and only hit the post in Buffalo. But for Andre Kuzmenko, all those questions that we asked before are still there. And beyond no assist since November 15th, his last road goal was 
I think the six nothing goal in that ten one romp. Remember when he Ooh. he hit uh, Kakinen and and he showed compassion. That was nice of him. Uh, and no shark did. But that was his last road <laughs> goal on the second of November, and his last road point came in Montreal on November the twelfth. Well, guess what? Like you don't just play at home and come playoff time. Like you've got to be able to have the coaches trust to be out there on the road and the matchup game. And so you know the underlying numbers showed yesterday in Columbus. When he was out there against Adam Fantilli and Kent Johnson, you know, that line dominated. And that's, but they should. Like, those are the kids in Columbus that are still learning how to play. When they went up against Roslovic and Corrali, uh, they got their lunch fed to them. And so, yeah. you know, they're getting bottom of the lineup matchups and they're still struggling in some situations there. So, not getting scored on, I suppose that's good. But we can't sit here and give Kuzmenko and that line flowers just because they're not getting scored on. This is the NHL. And, you know, they, that lotto line needs some support, uh, at least on some nights, uh, they need some support. Jeff, if the playoffs start tomorrow and Phil DiGiuseppe's healthy, is Andre Kuzmenko a healthy scratch for the playoffs? Oof. I mean, that opens up a whole nother can of worms and another set of questions, doesn't it? <laughs> but, uh, you know, at, again, uh, likely to start at home. So maybe Rick Tockett has the luxury of being able mm-hmm. to have him in the lineup and part of that power play unit and, and spot him. But I, I think the bigger question is, once they get out on the road, because at last check, you play both home and on the road uh, in the playoffs. Although the last time they were in the playoffs, it was all in one place in a bubble in Edmonton. But uh, they are going to see conventional playoff hockey this time around. And those are all sorts of things that the coaching staff is going to have to work through. So, you know, again, there was a little bit more hustle and it felt like Kuzmenko was trying. But it's so clear that he's in his own head now trying to give Rick Tockett what he wants but it's coming at the expense of any sort of offensive contributions. And it's been eight games since Christmas and just straight zeros uh, across the board for Andre Kuzmenko. Earlier in the show, we were talking a little bit about JT Miller's turnaround this season, which we think is a lot more substantial than just what the point totals indicate this season versus last. Ever since, ever since Rick Tuckett has taken over, what stood out to you about why Miller has sort of put it together in terms of his two-way game and an overall performance. Yeah. And I heard you guys talking about it. I do think some of it was just so loose under Bruce Boudreaux and that's not a knock on Bruce. That's who he is and how he coached. And when I say loose, a bit of freelancing all over the ice for everybody. And obviously structure as much as it became a punchline, <laughs> uh, there was a lack of it uh, in the way the Vancouver Canucks played. And, and JT Miller was certainly guilty of that. You know, you made some great points though, Harm, about the fact that how often they're leading and that gives them the luxury of, you know, being a little safer with the puck and not having to force things. And, and, and JT's talked about that too, that, you know, they get out in front of opponents, you know, the trailing team, the later a game goes, you know, they have to get pucks to the net, right? Like if you're going to tie a game and we've seen with this Canuck group that their shot totals are low. Like they just, they don't get in the habit of just flinging pucks to the net for something to do. They are looking for grade A looks and they've had that opportunity because they've been out in front. They open the scoring so often, they extend those leads so often. So I do think a lot of that comes into play. I think there was instant respect for JT Miller. JT was a young kid growing up in the Pittsburgh area. Like he would have watched Rick Tockett, the player and understood, you know, the way Rick Tockett approached the game. And it's still Rick Tockett now as a coach who has that same view of, you know, just the high intensity and high impact. And, and we know that JT can be a fiery guy. And so I think there's instant respect there. There's probably a bit of a fear factor. I know there would be for me. I wouldn't want to cross Rick Tockett and Adam foot. And, um, you know, if you do once maybe, but uh, wouldn't want to do it a second time. So I think all those things factor into this and, 
again, the start that this team got off to, it had to get off to that kind of start. But I think that by putting in the effort and uh, putting the work in and being rewarded the positive reinforcement of seeing how the work was paying off, uh, it's just put JT Miller in a, in a right frame of mind here. Now, saying all of that, and he has been terrific and to get to the 20-goal mark and 40 assists in the same game, so 60 points at the 44-game mark, like you know, well on pace to, to smash the 99 that he put up a couple years ago. But it's interesting to note that he had gone 10 games without a penalty. Now, again, this is a guy whose engine runs hot, and he's going to take some penalties. That's part of who he is. But starting with the shot to Sidney Crosby in Pittsburgh, penalty there. Buffalo takes the run to Rasmus Dahlin and then gets challenged. And so he got uh, the rough air, the elbowing penalty, and the fighting major. And then yesterday, you know, in a sleepy game, just no need to get his stick up. Was it Chinnikov? I think it was. Uh, got his stick up under the chin. Makov and uh and <laughs> got the high sticking penalty jokes are free by the way I won't go to those. Uh, but you know that kind of is creeping back into his game and so uh you know he's valuable he's more valuable to the Canucks on the ice obviously than sitting in the penalty box but you know occasion had it. he got challenged I understood what the Sabres were doing sticking up for uh one of their star players that kind of stuff is going to happen but I just think, you know, I don't want this to become a, an ongoing trend for JT Miller is sort of taking the the needless penalty and the careless ones yesterday. Again, just that was preventable. And ultimately, the Blue Jackets did score on that power play. So um, just something to monitor here that he had been playing a tidy game and being productive. And for the last three at the very least, and maybe some of that's fatigue, mental or physical, uh, whatever the case, spending a little more time in the penalty box than he had of late. Jeff, you're... Patterson's point column. Mm-hmm. And that's the only name it has at Canucks Army. Um, this past weekend, it's clear now that the Vancouver Canucks should go all in this season. Take it away, Jeff. <laughs> Apparently, it's not clear to a lot of the people in the comment section uh, <laughs> at Canucks Army. It uh, fostered some some debate there and certainly some response. And I appreciate all that. I mean, people have read the piece at the very least and, and reacted to it. And I mean, that's what we're trying to do in, in this business. But no, the, the further they go, and this was written, obviously, on Sunday uh, after the Buffalo game before Columbus. Uh, you know, at that point, they'd won five in a row. They were winning in all sorts of different ways. Lotto line was absolutely on fire and just looking around them in the National Hockey League, and this was at a time when, you know, and you guys touched on it, like Vegas is running into some injury problems, and it hasn't been a great month for Vegas. Los Angeles in a little bit of a free fall now. Uh, you know, like the Canucks have put themselves in a conversation of being contenders. Like, it, it doesn't happen every year, and obviously that hasn't happened for a long time here, but I just think that there's no guarantee of tomorrow or next year. and you know, sometimes you have to strike while the iron is hot. And this doesn't come with any promises that it's going to work. Like, ask the Boston Bruins how uh, a great regular season worked for them last year or Tampa a couple of years ago when they had 128 points. But that shouldn't scare the Vancouver Canucks. I think that this managing group and Patrick Feldman's on the record of saying, like, you know, if they keep it up, his job is to insulate this group, to support them, to reward them uh, for their fine play. And I, I said, and, and I want to be clear as I say this too, this isn't meant to scare anybody. But you saw what happened with the Calgary Flames and their star players. Like, players decide, for whatever reason, that maybe they don't want to be here. And, you know, the longer it goes with Elias Pettersson giving this market and this team and the fan base some indication that, yeah, he wants to be here, (laughs) there is a world in which he elects to take a one-year contract and play himself to 
unrestricted free agency. You know, Quinn Hughes may someday decide that he wants to go play with his brothers in New Jersey or somewhere else. And, and same with Thatcher Demko. But that's not now. Like in the here and now, these guys are together. They're playing well. Uh, they have as much star power. I mean, look who's going to the All-Star game. They've got as much star power as just about anybody in the National Hockey League. And so I don't think these opportunities present themselves. There's no guarantee that it's all going to come this way with all the pending unrestricted free agents that they've got next year. They've got a good group. They've got something good going. To me, I just think they owe it to the players and they owe it to, to this fan base to step in and take their best swing. They may fall short, but, you know, again, the, the planets don't always align and they do sort of feel like they've come together uh, for the Vancouver Canucks this year. Jeff, great stuff as always. We're going to continue that conversation, I think. And our anyone else segment, great stuff as always, Jeff. We really appreciate you taking the time on this Tuesday afternoon. All right, boys, always fun. Thanks. There he is, Jeff Patterson. Uh, be sure to check out Rink Wide Vancouver. Harmon and I are often co-hosts on that. I got Jeff next week, or Jeff's got me, I should say, uh, for two two back-to-back games. The one against Chicago. And I, I strategically, when we get our list of like, okay, which which games do you guys want to take? I got to be honest. I strategically pick the ones where uh, I think the Canucks are probably going to win. I, I do that. I do that a little bit. So yeah, I'm doing the Chicago one. And who are they playing after that? St. Louis? I think St. Louis. Yeah. Anyways, by the way, that answer at the end fired me up. Oh, dude. Great stuff from Jeff. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Let's, let's just start anyone else right there. Let's start right there. Uh, this is anyone else. Presented by DoorDash. It is our listener's chance to get involved in this up in the YouTube live chat. And it's also our listener's chance to get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. That's right. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter code NATION25. That's all capital letters, NATION, and the numbers 25. Offer valid in Canada. Subject change. Terms do apply. Go check it out on DoorDash. Okay, let's start with that. Because something I've been alluding to, I think I've brought it up a few times, but I think Jeff really articulated it well. You got to go all in. Like, you you have to go all in on this season. You have to at this point, right? 
I mean, you have to significantly add in, yeah. in some way. That doesn't mean you sell the farm for Jake Gensel yeah. uh, or one of those rentals where you're like, we have no, we have no chance of being able to resign this guy, but in some substantial way, I think this team deserves reinforcements. And this conversation is already different than when we first had it two or three weeks ago mm-hmm. because of the state of Vancouver specific division opponents. I mean, yep. Vegas, look at the number of injuries that they have right now and how that's going to impact the the way the seeding is going to work, potential playoff matchups, even the question of, okay, how many, how healthy is going to, is Vegas going to be going into the playoffs? Uh, right now they've got Jack, Jack Eichel out who just had surgery is, uh, is going to be week to week. Shea Theodore still on IR. Aiden Hill, their starting goalie is on IR. William Carlson is on IR. Uh, William Carrier, who's, such an important bottom six driver for them is on IR. And then the Kings, as we've mentioned earlier, have been spiraling. So this is already a different conversation than two or three weeks ago when I was still a little bit tempered in sort of saying, hey, those teams still look really strong and there's a good chance that the Canucks are going to have to play Vegas or LA if they don't finish first in the division. And I don't love the idea of, making such an expensive ad and then potentially being underdogs in the first round of the playoffs. Now that conversation is already starting to shift and, and move in the Canucks' favor. This is such an interesting thing to bring up because I'm looking at it and Jeff brought up the planets, the stars aligning and how that doesn't happen too often. I said, you've got five of the best guys in the league. Like this doesn't happen all the time. This doesn't happen every year. There is not you. you and again, I have to go back and look, but it's not super common that by the all-star break, first of all, we don't usually see five guys from the same team going to the all-star game, but we also don't see two of your, you know, your two top centers. I know they're playing on the same line lately, but your two top centers, both in top 10 for league scoring. Like you don't see that super often. The Canucks have that right now. Then you have a third guy in Brock Besser who's in the top 10 for goals scored. You don't see that very often in the NHL. It feels like one of these opportunities that isn't going to come around often and one that you need to strike on. Now, Jeff kind of painted the picture of what going all in looks like in his article. I don't think you need to move Tom Willander. I don't think you need to move Jonathan LeCarmacki to make two, one or two sharp ads to this team to really put them over the top. Like, I, I don't think you need to give that up in a trade. If, if you have to, and you really believe in the player, I don't think either of us are going to sit here and say, shouldn't have given up. Those guys, if, it, if it's a player that's going to make you better and is going to help push you over the top and make you unquestionably a top three team in the NHL, you have to make that move at this juncture. You have to going into the trade deadline. We also look at how many players on this team are having career years. And keep in mind, career years don't don't happen every year. That's the point. They happen once or, or twice Um over the the span of 10, 15 year career for some of these guys, JT Miller is having a career year. He's going to smash his 99 points. Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes, Brock Besser, Phil Peronik. You look further down, Dakota Joshua, Sam Lafferty. Think of how many of these guys you have to resign to coming off career years. I'm sorry Uh, to cut you off, but yeah. Yeah, so you got Teddy Bluger, Nils Hoaglander. I'm looking further down here. Uh, arguably Casey DeSmith. That's like nine or 10 players. Yep. Basically half your entire roster 
having career best seasons. This one from Robert Harley in the YouTube live chat. The question you have to ask, is this the year that is the best chance to win? I think it is. I think with all the RFAs going out next year and UFAs, he should say, uh, I don't think the team will be as good. Robert, I think you're bang on there. And the thing I keep coming back to, Harmon, is the number one complaint we had about the Benning era was you're not bad enough to lose and get a top draft pick, but you're not good enough to make the playoffs. I know it's better. I know it means more playoff revenue, but you don't want to become the New York Islanders. Like, you don't want to become one of these teams that just makes the playoffs every year. And I mean, maybe if your ownership, you you do like that idea more, right? And and you like the idea of making the playoffs every single year. And again, I'm not trying to say that's a bad thing, but I am trying to say that the teams that do that, the teams that consistently make the playoffs every single year, and like those teams that consistently make the playoffs and are still in that upper echelon, those are teams that have had the foundation laid out and it's been very, very well laid out. I don't know if the Canucks are at the stage where they can, with what they have right now, no matter what they do, that they can turn this into a team that's a perennial contender for the next 10 years, the way we've seen teams like Boston, the way we've seen seen teams like Pittsburgh be able to do. I don't think the Canucks have that capability. To no fault of their own, we know what happened with the last management regime and shipping out all the futures at the time. That didn't make much sense, but... I feel like there's this, I don't know, almost like don't hurt me again syndrome with the whole fan base or or some of the fan base that when you bring up the idea of moving a first round pick, they're clutching at pearls. They're saying, no, no, don't, don't get rid of the first round pick. We've seen what happens when you trade away your first round picks. Think about if this team was where they are now in 2020. Stay with me here. They make the Tyler to Foley trade, which is a sharp ad this team helped them helped them in the bubble helped them down the stretch before covid shut down the season and then they were able to re-sign him right like that looked like a pure rental they should have been able to re-sign him they didn't i'm willing to bet this management regime would have been able to re-sign tyler to not only that Harmon, you're giving up i can't remember that trade it was a second round pick and tyler, tyler madden and like a seventh round pick i think was the exact stuff if you're giving up that at this juncture for a rental like Tyler Foley, like a top six forward, a bonafide top six forward. You can't sit there and say, no, don't give up Tyler Madden. Who's the equivalent of Tyler Madden right now in the Canucks organization? I'd have to think about it, but it's not like a high-end prospect. Yeah. Like Atu Ratu. I'm throwing that out there. Yeah, and and Ratu's probably a better prospect now sure. than, than Madden was back Absolutely. Then. And I just, I, I keep bringing that up and thinking about that, that... You can't live in the past, but you also need to understand that this likely is this team's best chance at winning the Stanley Cup, which is what this fan base, rightfully so, has been saying for years needs to be the goal. Is it's not just, don't just try to squeak into the playoffs, win the Stanley Cup. So when did that change? When did that change? Because I think if you're you're clutching at pearls about the idea of moving, moving up futures to aid this year's team to help them out in that quest to going after the Stanley Cup, I think you've got it wrong because I think you're doing what we all kept saying for years shouldn't have been the goal. You're turning the goal into just making the playoffs. Yeah. And the other thing to keep in mind is this management group hit on literally every off season addition they made. That doesn't happen. It doesn't matter how smart a front office group you have. 
you're you're not going to bat a hundred percent every off season. I mean, look at Colorado for instance. The Avalanche are probably the model franchise in terms of the best pro scouting staff in the NHL. They found Nichushkin when he was nothing. They found Taves for what two seconds, oh. a number one defenseman for two second round picks. Uh, they mined Arturi Lekkinen yep. and turned him into a top six gem of a forward. They've done an excellent job consistently of finding guys. Nazem Kadri, that trade, turning yep. Tyson Berry into Nazem Kadri. Yep. Jonathan Drew to some extent. The, yeah, the point I'm trying to make is everything they touch has typically turned into gold. But even you look at a front office that's that smart, that analytically oriented, you look back at their summer's additions, they didn't hit it out of the park. It's been tough for them to find depth forwards. You mentioned lately that Juan's been working out, but Thomas Tatar, for example was a pretty disastrous fit and they had to trade him to Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um Ross Colton and Miles Wood have been decent. Uh Ryan Johansson was spo- was supposed to come in and be the answer at the second line position. He's not that guy and they're still looking for that centerman not to mention now he's a 4 million dollar contract that you have on the books through next season as well. And they still have that same challenge of well damn, we have some of the best stars in the NHL, but we have almost nothing beyond them. Uh, where you look at last year in the playoffs, for example, the reason they lost to Seattle is because they literally, in a seven-game series, got zero bottom six goals. Yeah. There's so much interaction in the chat, like so much feedback to all of this. I want to highlight this one. There's so much, but this one from Slipstream. They have no money to re-sign more players. Not true. A rental is stupid. This team is not a contender. Playoff, yes, but not a match for Colorado, Vegas, Boston, and other top teams. Slipstream, I think you need to go look at what those teams' current states are and what they're looking like heading into the playoffs. I'd also like to point out that if they match up with Boston, it'd be in the cup final. So if your rental gets you to the cup final and you're saying, well, they're not going to win the cup final, I'm sorry, there's something to be said about getting to the Stanley Cup final. Look at the West. Like, Who are you realistically at this juncture looking at and saying the Canucks can't take that team in a seven game series. They can't make a series of it in their current state without any rental, without going out and getting any help their current juncture. I say there's about three teams, like three teams that I say they would have a tough time beating that team in a seven game series. I'm not saying it'd be easy against anybody else, but like, I don't think there's any team, I'll just say this, I don't think there's any team in the West that it's impossible that the Canucks beat in a seven-game series. I don't think there's any in the West that the Canucks wouldn't be able to at least take to seven games. Yeah, and I mean, you do have to strike a balance here because I think the point the commenter is trying to make is, well, you'd hate to give up, you know, first-round pick and let's say Aturatu for a a rental like against Sure, And then it's like, if if you still the odds of winning the cup or even going in a deep playoff run in, in one one given year are tough for any team that's not necessarily restricted to whether you believe the Canucks are a contender or not and you wouldn't want it to necessarily be a waste uh the thing I'll bring the thing I'll say though is I actually think there's and I'm sure over the next couple of weeks we'll dive more into the cap situation but there probably is still a window that, okay, yeah, you're probably not likely to be able to fit, let's say, Gensel or Lindholm onto your books long-term, but you can probably fit a, a bona fide top six yep. forward 
onto the books beyond the season, especially if you're looking at somebody like an Andre Kuzmenko, five and a half million dollars. Can you trade that contract in the off season? And so I, I think from the Canucks perspective, you, if you are going it, to, it, it's one of two things. You're either, if you're going to pay a, a massive price, it needs to be a, it needs to be for a player that is either a rental that you're confident will resign or has term left on their contract. Mm-hmm. So you get multiple years of value out of it. Or if it's a rental that you know you're probably not going to want to resign, then you don't want to be paying a first-round pick plus something else. You you more, more so want to be in the Toffoli range, for instance. Yeah. It's like a second and like a mid-process. And look, when we bring up names like Frank Vitrano, Adam Henrique, I saw someone throw out there today the idea of trading for both of those guys together as a package. And Frank Vitrano, like we've mentioned, is signed beyond this season at a pretty reasonable cap and at 3.85. So... You know, you you can get creative, but and, and again, I don't think Slipstream was saying don't um don't go out and just go get a bunch of rentals. Like I don't think he was trying to say don't make this team better at the trade deadline. Maybe that's how I read it, but I don't think that's quite what he's getting at. And I, I think that's a fair comment. Then I th- I think that is a fair comment. This one from Doctor Haas because it kind of adds on to this conversation that we've had here. Um, I got to scroll up and find it. Sorry, folks. Um, he was throwing out trade proposals, which is so fun. Uh, Cod's heater trade proposals. Yeah, yeah. the Canucks combo heater trade proposals. This is for Jake Gensel. Andre Kuzmenko, a first-round pick. Atu Ratu and Elias Pettersson, the defenseman. Uh, I think it might be a little too much, but here's the other thing. A lot of people in the chat said not enough. A lot of people said not enough. And, and take out Pettersson, maybe, because his first proposal didn't have Elias Pettersson in there. It was Atu Ratu. A first-round pick, and Andre Kuzmenko. Basically, basically, what the Canucks got for Bo Horvat last year, right? What's different about that? Well, yes, it. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. But if I'm Pittsburgh, I don't want the Andre Kuzmenko contract. Well, the, the Canucks. Okay, and and we have no way of verifying this because obviously Patrick Alvin, when the trade was made, didn't come out and say, "Yeah, we had to take Beauvillier back because he's a cap dump." I don't think the Canucks were banging the table saying we want Anthony Beauvillier. I, my understanding of the situation. And again, this is my understanding of the situation is that the Islanders basically said, okay, well we need to fit Horvat on the books and we want to extend him. You need to take this contract yeah, back. It was, but I'll say this, the trade deadline market was different last year than it is this year. There were so many more options in terms of guys that you could go out and add last season. So it was, probably more of a buyer's market like you could go out and say well we're only willing to pay this much for Bo because if we're paying higher higher than that we can also go out and get Timo Meyer instead like you had you had options and and other players you could pick through whereas this year if you're talking about a true top line caliber difference maker you've got what Gensel yeah and and who else yeah like Lindholm Lindholm who is let's talk about this yeah like he's not having a stellar year. Like I know he got named to the all-stars. I mean, he hasn't been one of Calgary's like one or two best forwards this year. He's got 28. He's got eight goals and 28 points in 43 games. Yep. Like he's not lighting the world on fire. And it's like you said last week, he was the third wheel on the best line in hockey when that was the best line in hockey with Johnny Goudreau. Right. So it just, it's interesting. Like, cause then I start to wonder, okay, well, 
the conversations we had about Elias Lindholm were, well, this is gonna this is gonna be the number one this is gonna be the number one trade deadline target. That's what we thought, like or at least I thought, like three weeks ago, was this gonna be the number one target at the deadline? I'm curious, man. I am curious um, how it all shakes out at the deadline. It's gonna be really interesting. Gonna be really interesting. Uh, this one and Grady just got this in our little chat here. This is from Ian McIntyre, uh, who did a Q and A with Patrick Alvin. This is a question from iMac, the answer from Alvin. Is what to do with Kuzmenko the biggest decision you have to make before the March 8th trade deadline? Alvin, the players usually dictate where they fit and how they perform and all that. Talk is a puzzle guy, and we want to make sure the puzzle works. So we talk about different ideas and things, and then we'll see where things go. If I'm a puzzle guy, and I have the Andre Kuzmenko piece in front of me, and I'm a puzzle guy named Rick Tockett, he ain't fitting in that puzzle. Yeah. Leaves the door open. It's just interesting. It's just interesting to get to it. Um, it leaves the door open for some sort of movement. And this is another one from that same article. Uh, this one. This one is what iMac asked. Based on your experience, is this situation unusual? A core player eligible for restricted free agency wanting to hold off negotiations. Alvin, maybe a little bit. Yeah, it is a little bit unusual i'm not i don't think anybody's nervous yet i think that is also aided by the fact that the canucks are playing so well that when the criteria that elias peterson lays out is i want to play somewhere that's winning okay well your team's top of the nhl so i think that's part of the reason that people aren't scared or worried right now but it is unusual it is it absolutely is yeah i've had like anecdotally i've run into canucks fans just in you know at, at the gym or, or some friends that i have in, in person and longer this goes on they're like hey what's going on with Patterson?" and i'm like you know what just enjoy the season let's, <laughs> let's cross that bridge when we get there that's uh i think um a big part of uh the thought process is yeah it's it's not ideal and look players we're in a different era where they can dictate dictate and be uh, more empowered about where they want to play and what they're looking for on um, on a team, and he'll have that choice uh, this uh, this summer. And, and the Canucks will will get a hint and an idea of well of, as well of where he stands with his commitment to the organization. But yeah, I'm I'm definitely in the camp of just enjoy the season and worry about the rest That's later. Right. That's right. Uh, this one from Mr. Joker it was earlier in the show, but I wanted to get to it. He was asking about the idea of changing the playoff format a little bit in the sense of if you finish top of the Western Conference or you finish top of the Pacific, you get to pick if you want to face the first, or excuse me, not top of the Pacific, top of the Western Conference. You get to pick if you want to face the first or second wildcard team. I like that. I think that's a great, I think that's awesome. If the NHL is not going to bend on the 3-2-1 point system, which they never will, and we've already outlined why, obviously with needing to keep the gate revenue high with all those teams that are kind of pretending to be in it like the Canucks have been in recent years. I think this is a great idea. I don't think it harms your product from a financial perspective. I like it. I like it a lot. It's an added reward for being first. I think they should just go back to the 1-8 to eight conference. Yes. that's like <laughs> I like that more. Sure, it's it's fun. What the, what the commenter suggested is fun because now you got a debate of what what wild card team do you want to play, and you know the other team's going to be using that as fuel if you pick them. But I think the simpler solution, which 
I believe Sidney Crosby was advocating for it uh, as well last year. And I did a general NHL fan poll last year, got tens of thousands of votes and asked, do you prefer divisional or conference playoff format? And I think it was like 74% yeah. of NHL fans prefer conference one to eight seating. And that's definitely the the boat uh, I'm in as well. Nuckhead, is Pod Colson going to get any time with the main squad this year? I really don't think so. Like, I really think this management group decided pretty early on in training camp that this guy is going to spend the entire year in Abbotsford and he is just going to get to apply his craft and come back fresh for training camp next year. And if you think about it, they really, like, speaking of guys maybe not returning and, and things that are going to change from this year to next, they really need Vasily Colson to develop. They really need him to come into training camp and be able to hold down that spot in the top six that they had him penciled in for this year. Like, uh, they top need six. How about bottom six? Let's start with that. Sure. But they had him in a top six role out of training camp, right? Like, he started yeah. on the JT Miller line and he lost it very quickly to Phil Giuseppe. Very quickly, Harmon. And you're right. Of course, let's start with bottom six. Let's start there. But they need this guy to hit. They need one of they need they need guys like this to hit if they're going to have continued success. We know that. So I think he spends the whole year in Abbotsford, and I don't think that's a bad thing. 19 points, uh, 10 goals, and 9 assists through 26 games. And if you read today's Blackfish report over at Canucks Army, courtesy of our friend Dave Hall, uh, he highlighted Pug Colson a little bit and some of the good things that he's doing in his game. Really strong on the forecheck, really starting to look like a player who is going to be able to be successful under Rick Tockett. So hopefully this season aids him well. I just look at it and wonder... If you're balancing the two two things that you have to balance, I think, is how much does this player coming up help us as a team? And then you also have to balance, okay, how much does it help him as a player in his development to come up right now and play for this team? I would say when you weigh those two things, I'm not sure he helps the Canucks too, too much right now, like too much more than the options they have right now. And second, I think it would only do more harm than good for him to come back and be in the NHL spotlight right now. So I say Pacolson spends the rest of the year down in Abbotsford agreed and especially because this this is now a winning team with much higher standards so there's even less margin for error mistakes the types of things that have started to get in pod Colson's head and affect his confidence the me- the mental side of his game just let this be a, a reset year but I will say big picture I don't have a lot of high expectations for the type of player he's going to be at this point you don't think he could be like a middle six kind of grinder? I'd, I'd be really surprised. Really? Eh? I, I think you're at this point, he's if he hits, I think he's going to be a bottom six piece because he's 22 at this point. He's going to turn 23 in the summer. And when you look at the odds and just historical comps in the AHL, the type of production you, you need to be hitting at to be an impact player, you need to be dominating the AHL as a 22-year-old. And I'm not yeah. talking about playing well. I'm talking you've got to be among the point and goal-scoring leaders if you still have a future as a top six or as a really strong third-line uh, driver, the type of player that can put up 40, 50 points in a season. Whereas Pod Colson's profile right now looks pretty similar to, let's say, Cole Lind at a similar age, if you look at the production. Like yeah. And... Lind hasn't even established himself as, um, you know, as a, as a full-time NHLer yet. He's played occasional games here and there uh, for Seattle. And so that's why for me, I'm like, 
if if he even hits as a fourth liner at this point, is an everyday useful NHL player. Like that's our that's that is a win to me. I don't have high expectations for yeah. uh, the type of player he's going to be offensively at this stage. That's fair. That's very fair. I just think you got to give him. Yeah, and I I know you agree with me. You got to give him a chance to try to keep developing, keep kind of progressing toward what what we hoped his ceiling would be in this city when he was drafted with the 10th overall pick uh, here in Vancouver. Okay, we've got a few here. We've got a few, and we'll close it out quickly. But uh, this one, the Drake cover, what is this? I, I keep seeing it in the chat here. Can we get this, Grady? Do you have it? The uh... Okay. Do you see this, Harmon? Oh, nice. That's pretty sweet. You got Quinn Hughes on the take care. Is that Talkit in the bottom right? That's that, for sure talking. Is that Quinn? That's on, Quinn. That's Quinn on, uh, what's it called? What's that album? The one that has the, the best album. It's called The Best? <laughs> no, it's not. I, I just like oh, that album. Oh, isn't it Take Care? I thought that's what it was called. No, no, I don't think so. I it's the one was... that has. Uh, Are you sure it's not called Take Care? I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I think so. I know my Drake. I used to know my Drake. Actually, that's the only album cover I can. Know. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. It is. But What's that's talk. It's supposed to. Okay. So okay. Okay. This is the All Stars. Okay. It took me a second. <laughs> so it's it's Demko, Miller, Hughes, Pedersen, Besser, and then talk it um, for the All Star. That talk. That talk it one throws me off a little bit. I uh, first of all, I didn't know it was talk it. Second of all, I've never seen that Drake album cover, so I don't. I have. It's not a memorable album. No. Few of them are. I'm not a big Drake guy. I used to be. Like in high school, I used to love Drake. But he's solid. I've I've got time for him. I've got time for the weekend too. All right. Grady's listed all the names. <laughs> Grady's a big Drake guy, apparently. He's telling us all the album names. Anyways, uh, okay, let's move on here. Um, there was one more I wanted to get to. Darn, I think I might have missed it. It was from Pimp Handstrong. Okay. Anyone else think Dom Lachizan, of course, needs to come back on Canucks conversation to defend putting the Canucks at 11 in his Stanley Cup odds ranking less than a week after having them at number one in his power ranking? That, that's his model. He didn't manually rank that. So so no. <laughs> I mean, at this point, do we need Dom to come back and explain I, how the model works? <laughs> Again? No. I mean, at this point, I don't know if you saw this, but. A few days ago, he straight up said, I was wrong about Quinn Hughes. He did. He did say that. He finally admitted it. So that's he's owned up to that, which took a lot of time. It felt like pulling teeth, but we finally got that out of him. (laughs) What Uh, more do you want, Canucks fans? I like Dom. I like Dom. I'll say it. They had had the Canucks number one in the power rankings where they actually have some input in, in it. So... Give the guy a break. Make the computer do different things, Dom. He didn't even say anything bad about uh, the Canucks. and the. He had a piece today about why each team will win the Stanley Cup this year. And there's a part where it's like fatal flaw. And I think he didn't want to say anything mean. So he just sarcastically said, I'm going to pull it up here. Oh, fatal flaw. Nothing. Vancouver's bottom nine forwards will continue scoring on 12.3% 12.3% of their shots forever and ever. That figure might be too low, actually. The sky is the limit. Yes, Dom. Yes, that's amazing. Speaking of the sky being the limit, Grady, can you pull these up? The odds for the Jack Adams? Um, not quite our Betway bet of the day yet, but it leads into that. So we'll close out anyone else on this. The odds for the Jack Adams award. Uh, it feels like every every outlet and their mom put out 
their favorites for the Jack Adams and Rick talk. It's at the top of all of them. I think the athletic put one out uh, NHL.com put one out. That was tweeted out from the main NHL account. Rick Tockett is by far the favorite to win the Jack Adams. I think he's got some good company there with John Tortorella in Philadelphia, of course, and Rick bonus as well in Winnipeg. Uh, but that's our bet way better the day. And I have the odds up here on the screen. Plus 120 for Rick Tockett, plus 325 for Rick Bonus, and plus 1,000 for John Tortorella are your top three. And of course, Rick Tockett being the favorite there, which brings us nicely into our Betway Bet of the Day, brought to you, of course, by our friends over at Betway. A $10 bet on Rick Tockett to win the Jack Adams Award as the top coach in the NHL, as voted on by hockey broadcasters at plus 120 odds, returns you $22 over on Betway. Must be 19 plus play. If you choose to play, Please play responsibly. And yeah, I, I, I have to agree with that. And I'm, I know I'm a huge homer, but like it's hard to disagree with that. And I mean, it depends what Winnipeg does. Like I think if Winnipeg is top of the NHL, especially given that they've had to do some stuff without Kyle Connor and the turnaround that they've had and where they were ranked at the start of the year, I think there's a serious case for Rick Bonus. But on the other hand, that was still a playoff team last year. The Canucks have been in shambles for 10 years until Rocket, Rocket, Rocket. till Rick Tockett. He, he, wasn't his nickname Rocket? Isn't his, I'm pretty sure Rick Tockett's social handles is like Tockett Rocket or something. Isn't it? It m- might be. I can't remember. He deleted his Twitter, I think. Darn. <laughs> but as soon as he heard he was coming to Vancouver, he's like, uh-oh, I'm deleting well, this. Well, yeah, I, I noticed like he'd followed me for like a year beforehand. And I think he- When you were colleagues- <laughs> We were colleagues. He didn't. Well, colleagues. He's in media. He's in media. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and it's funny because I think thinking back, it's such a funny environment that he walked into, where the fans, understandably, were so outraged at how (laughs) Pedro was treated. Yeah. Not that he was fired, but the way the Canucks handled it and made it like a public showing. Yep. Essentially, and talk. It was so hated at at the time because he was he was the guy coming in for the beloved coach that everybody thought was treated extremely poorly. He was the new stepdad trying to make a good first impression on the kids who just lost their dad around. Yeah. Come on. And and so I think seeing all that, he just deleted (laughs) his account. Like it was in the first week of him getting to Vancouver, which um, made a lot of sense, but I'll, I'll say this also about the Jack Adams. If it isn't talk it, I think that I actually think the second place person there should be John Torella ahead of bonus. Yeah. Especially if they make the playoffs because that flyers team, everybody thought was going to be bottom five in the NHL. That's look, a good point. Team Lower paper. expectations than the jets for sure. There was supposed to be in the tank conversation. Mm-hmm. Look at their blue line. And some of these are okay players and they've had um, good seasons, but you're talking about a blue line with cam York. Yep. Travis Sanha, Nick Sealer, Sean Walker, Igor Zamula and Rasmus Ristolainen. And you moved Ivan Provorov, who's yeah. arguably one of the best defensemen on that blue line that you just read out loud. Yeah, and it's just like, how do you how do you keep getting away with this? I know, and, and that's the thing, and it's the conversation you and I had at the start of the year, is, okay, well, we've seen John Tortorella teams start hot. They outwork everybody, and then they just fall off a cliff at some point because the players stop buying in or they get too tired or whatever, right? Hasn't happened yet. We're at the halfway point. It hasn't happened yet. They're still playing that way. Their five-on-five metrics are legitimately... They're one of the best defensive teams in the NHL somehow. And I don't think any coach other than Tortorella could have done 
what he's done in Philly. And I think that's what he's best served for, like an underdog, competitive. We don't have the biggest names, but we're just going to outwork you. Like, that's the perfect match for him as a team. And behind talking, I think he should be number two uh, in the Jack Adams conversation. They're second place in the Metro division right now. It's crazy. Yeah. It's it's unbelievable what we're seeing uh, in Philadelphia and Winnipeg. Of course, it's also a great story. But yeah, I think that's a great case for uh, Torx to be at least in that conversation. But we'll wrap it up there. Uh, for my co-host Harmon Dial and our technical producer Grady Sass and our intern Lachlan Irvin, my name is Dave Gudrelli. Thank you so much for listening to the episode of the Canucks Conversation. Canucks Conversation with Harmon and Quads every weekday at two. PM. Be sure to check it out on the Canucks Army YouTube channel. And if you missed it, go check it out on your favorite podcast catcher app. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.